All right. Notes are in the front and the back if you need notes. Our series is called The Truth. What do you need to know that's your mind? What do you need to believe in your heart? What do you need to share opening your mouth and talking to other people? And what do you need to be prepared to defend? Um, The first week we talked about the gospel. And we just very simply said, what is the gospel message? And we tried to not be simplistic, but to make it simple. And we broke it down by talking first about the holiness of God. And secondly, talking about our sin. And thirdly, talking about who Jesus is and what he came to do for us. And fourthly, talking about uh, our response being repentance, turning from sin, and faith, turning to Jesus. And then lastly, the idea of following Jesus. It's not just a decision, but it's something that continues in your life. So we talked about the gospel message. When you have a chance to share the gospel with somebody, those are the things you want to talk about. The second week, we talked about conversion. And conversion for this whole series was like setting up a target and saying, this is what we're shooting for. This is what we're aiming for when we share the gospel with people, when we share our testimony with people, when we talk to them about our faith and church and spiritual things, we want to see them converted. And that means that people have a comprehension of the facts of the gospel and understanding in their mind. It means that they have conviction in their heart Conviction about sin, brokenness about sin, conviction about Jesus, not just they believe that he died, but they believe that he's the the treasure that's worth giving up everything else to obtain. He's the pearl of great price. Uh, We talked about those people in conversion. They need to have uh, commitment. They need to understand you're not just praying a prayer, signing a card, raising your hand, but you're making a, a lifelong commitment to somebody. And then the last part of conversion is church. Not saying that church makes you a Christian, but saying that once you become a Christian and you're converted, you do find your place in the church. So we talked about conversion. Then we talked about discipleship. Um, And we talked about evangelism and discipleship and how they're different, how you can make a little bit of a distinction, but how really they go together. And if you try to separate them, then they both become different things entirely. They have to go together. Uh, You have to be willing when you share the gospel with somebody, not just to leave them there after you've done that. You've told them what to do, repent, believe, follow Jesus. But then you have to disciple them. You have to teach them and show them how to do that in their life. So that was kind of uh, ground level biblical stuff that we covered. And now we're in a little part of this study, the truth, where we're talking about really practical things, just sort of nuts and bolts stuff when you actually sit down to talk with somebody. We spent one week talking about asking questions, that before you ever start talking to people, talking at people, you need to be willing to ask questions and listen to them so that you're actually talking with them. You're not just preaching at them. So that was one thing we covered. We talked last week about using your Bible Um, I know that seemed obvious, and again, you may think that was just so basic and so simple, but it's important to use God's Word because of the things we believe about God's Word. We talked about those last week. It's important that we actually use it when we're sharing with people. And this week, we're going to talk about sharing your testimony. And a lot of people think about sharing their testimony and they say, well, that's the easiest part of all of it. All you got to do is tell somebody what God has done in your life. And on the one hand, I agree with those people. It is the easiest part of this 
it probably should require the least amount of study and preparation. But if you don't study and you don't prepare and you don't think it through, this really isn't something that just comes natural for us that we naturally, instinctively do well. And I've seen it a million times where somebody got up to share a testimony and they talked about a lot of different things, but they didn't really talk about Jesus very much. And that's what we don't want to do. When you sit down to tell somebody, let me tell you what God's done in my life, and then you talk about yourself for 20 minutes, that person leaves thinking, mm, I thought you were going to tell me what God did in your life. All you told me is things you have done, things you've experienced. And so we've got to be careful with this. I'll give you a couple of examples of how this can go wrong. I've told you guys before that in college I got to spend a summer uh, as a missionary in Hawaii. And this is a picture of the church that I was a summer missionary at, Kona Baptist Church. And see that sign right there, those white letters? I painted them white. Got that off Google Maps today, and I painted them white. They used to be yellow, atrocious looking yellow, and that was one of the things I did that summer. Went out there and painted the, the letters white. So there's the church, sanctuary over there on the right, sort of back up by the highway, and then education building and nursery and all that stuff over down below, and then there's a playground and some, uh, some land below it. So that's where I went. Spent a couple months there, did a lot of different things for them. Before we went to all our churches all around the islands, we all met in Honolulu, and there was about 20 of us, and we met at this building. This is the building right there by the road is the Baptist Convention of the Pacific in Hawaii, something like that. That's the Baptist building there in the front. And then that building back in the back, uh, they own, and it's just a big old house, and that's where we all stayed for our training. And so we go to this house, and we're doing this training a couple of days before they turn you loose on all the people of Hawaii. And they spend a lot of time talking to us about how you teach a Bible study. They spend a lot of time talking to us about um, how you share the gospel. And then we got to this idea of sharing your testimony, and they just sort of said, just, oh, you, it's easy. We don't have to teach you how to do this. You just have to do it. You just tell people what God's done in your life. It's so easy. We don't need to teach you. We're just going to do it right now. And they started calling on people to go around the room and share their testimony. And I'm telling you, it was bad, 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 bad. Again, people talked about a lot of different things, and you just sort of sit there with your eyes wide open. Sometimes you think, I don't even know what you're talking about. I can't follow you. You're chasing rabbit trails left and right and you're going here and you're going there. You're not focused. Sometimes people started talking about things in their past that they really did not need to be talking about to other people. And it just can go wrong a hundred different ways. But the mentality was, and I think is in a lot of places, you can't train somebody to do that. You just do it. You just tell them what God's done in your life. But I think it's a mistake not to do that. Here's one more example of how that can go wrong. I went on a mission trip. We went to South America. And one of the things we did on this trip is we were going to share a testimony. And we sort of knew that going into it. And the leaders told us on the front end, you're going to be expected to share your testimony in front of a group of people. And there will be a translator and you'll go back and forth and you'll do it. But they didn't train us and they didn't prepare us. So one of the people that went with our church, went with our group, she's a sweet lady a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. I love her to death. In her life, she has experienced something that's like straight off a 48 hours or a dateline or one of those crazy shows. She had a family member, young family member, kidnapped and taken away 
And they searched and searched, missing person, missing child. I mean, when she tells you the story, it's, a, it's an amazing story. It's a very interesting story. But when it was her turn to get up and to tell the story of what God had done in her life, that's what sharing your testimony is, right? She gets up and she wanted to start telling this other story. And she tried to connect God to it and talk about how God had been involved in the pain and the struggles and the ups and downs. But she sat there through a translator telling this very, very long, drawn-out story about a kidnapping. And she went for about 40 minutes. And when she got done, she kind of tacked on a little Jesus at the end. And I sat back there and I talked to a few of the local guys who could speak English and Spanish down there. And they were working with us. And I kind of pulled them aside and I said, just be real honest. What did you take away from what you just heard? What was the takeaway from you? And I didn't want to lead them. I didn't want to say, did you hear the gospel? I didn't. I just said, what, what did you take away? Open-ended. And they said, well, as it was translated and as she talked about it, it sounds like what she was trying to tell us is, if you have a family member kidnapped, Jesus can help you with that. Not entirely untrue, right? But not what you really want to share with people if you've got one opportunity to sit down and to tell them about Jesus. And she totally missed the opportunity. And I don't really think it was her fault. I think it was our fault and the leadership of the team's fault for not training her in how to do it and what to say and what not to say. So that's what we're talking about tonight. Here's a basic definition of sharing your testimony. It is telling your personal story of how you became a Christian and, this is important, what Christ has done in your life since conversion. Not rocket science. How did you become a Christian, and what has God done in your life since you became a follower of Jesus? Very simple. Here's why it's valuable. Let me give you a couple of reasons. One reason it's valuable is that stories are interesting, and they're easy to share. You do this all the time. You share stories with people. You go eat lunch with your friends, and you say, let me tell you what happened to me today, and you tell them a story. And they say, oh my goodness, I've had the same thing happen to me. And they tell you a story. And you go back and forth and you tell stories. We all naturally know how to tell stories. So it's easy to tell a story and it's easy to share it. Secondly, sharing your story helps others feel comfortable. It sort of personalizes you, especially if you're trying to share the gospel or share truth with somebody that you don't have a lot of history with or a lot of relationship Telling them about your life, telling them about your personal history can help people feel comfortable with you. It can help you talk with people instead of talking at people. Uh, done rightly, and that's, you might underline that and circle that and highlight that and star that. Done rightly, sharing your testimony, your story takes you off the pedestal. When you share your testimony right and you get to the end of it, nobody should think of you as the hero. They should think of Jesus as the hero, right? And if you share it correctly, you get to the end and somebody says, Jesus has done a great thing in this person's life. If you've done it incorrectly, they get to the end of it and they think, wow, this person is amazing. I don't know if I could ever be as good as them or I could do what they did or go through what they went through. If you get to the end and that's the implication, that's what's running through somebody's mind, you sort of missed it. You put yourself up on the pedestal. So when you do it right, it takes you off the pedestal 
And it puts Jesus on the pedestal. One thing you hear a lot, I hear this a lot, is your testimony cannot be refuted. I've heard people say this. The greatest thing about sharing your testimony is that it can't be refuted. To which I say, of course it can be refuted. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. People say, well, well, you've experienced it. How can anybody question that? It's what you went through. And I say, I question what people experience all the time. I don't just take at face value what somebody tells me when they're describing a religious experience. For example, I've been to the top of a mountain hiking one time. We got to the top of this mountain and there was a Buddhist prayer temple at the top of this mountain. And there was an old Buddhist boy over there and he had this little uh, wheel and you spin it around and it just goes every time it spins around and that's a form of Buddhist prayer and he's up at this little temple thing this little awning thing and he's got his little thing going around if I'd have gone over there and talked to him and said tell me what's going on right now what are you doing what are you experiencing he would have said well I'm getting in touch with the nothing and I'm I'm reaching out to the the emptiness and the vastness and I'm experiencing tranquility and I'm realizing that suffering is an illusion and I would say that's ridiculous that's not what you're experiencing it may be what you think you're experiencing but that's not really what is happening that would be his testimony about what's happening and I would refute that he may not be pleased that I would refute it but I wouldn't just sit there and say well that's fantastic good for you well that is amazing. Can I, where do you get one of those wheels? Do they sell those at Mardell? Can you get like the Christian version? I would say that's ridiculous. Another example. Some of you guys have had maybe Mormon missionaries come knock on your door and they want to talk to you. And not all Mormon missionaries go this route, but a lot of them will sort of go the route to say, they've argued with you a little, they've talked with you a little, and they'll say something like, look, I just came to the point in my life where I asked God to make it clear to me what the truth was and I felt this burning in my heart just like Joseph Smith felt in his heart and I just knew I just felt inside of me that this was the truth and so I know that it's the truth because I've experienced that God gave me that experience to which I would say no you didn't you may have thought that's what you were experiencing. You may look back on that and think that's what happened, but I refute that. I don't agree with that. And so this idea of nobody can refute your testimony, if you're going to share your testimony, you better get ready for somebody at some point to say, that's craziness. Or I don't understand that. People refute experiences all the time. There is a biblical basis for sharing your testimony. A lot of what we talk about is kind of practical, but I want you to see this. The biblical basis for sharing your testimony, I look at the example of Paul, and Paul talks about his life before he becomes a Christian. He talks about his life when he becomes a Christian. How did it happen? And he talks about his life after becoming a Christian. And you can look at some of the letters Paul wrote, and you can find other passages that would go along with this. Paul saying, this is what I used to be like. Paul saying, this is what Jesus did in my life. And Paul saying, this is what Jesus is currently doing in my life. But the best place to look, I think, is Acts 22. So if you have a Bible, flip over to Acts 22 real quick. This is Paul talking uh, to a crowd of Jewish people. And he's basically just sharing his testimony with them. He's talking to them. 
about how he became a follower of Jesus and the change that Jesus has made in his life. And so we're just going to read it kind of quickly here. And I think as we read through it, verse 1 to about 21, you'll sort of see the the movement through here. Um, Acts 22, 1. Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet. Just remember that. Sometimes Paul went around and he preached in Greek, and sometimes he went around and he preached in Hebrew, and he didn't just flip a coin before the talk. He thought about, who am I actually talking to here? And that changed the way he communicated. It didn't change the message he communicated, but it did change the way he communicated. So just file that away. Verse 3. I'm a Jew. Born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, as all of you are at this day. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women, as the high priest and the whole council of the elders can bear me witness. From them I received letters to the brothers, a journey toward Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. That's who I used to be. Verse 6, as I was on my way, I drew near to Damascus. About, an, about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me. I fell to the ground. I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I'm Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but they did not understand the voice or the one who was speaking to me. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, rise and go into Damascus, and there you'll be told all that's appointed for you to do. Since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me, and I came into Damascus. One Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing by me said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour, I received my sight and I saw him. And he said, the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized, wash away your sins, calling on his name. That's his conversion. That's how it happened. Verse 17, when I returned to Jerusalem, I was praying in the temple, fell into a trance. And I saw him saying to me, make haste, get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. And he said to me, God said to Paul, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. That's the difference that God made in his life after his conversion. You can see the same thing spelled out in Acts 26. Paul tells almost the exact same story to a guy named Agrippa. And this is just kind of interesting to me in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 9 tells the story of Saul's conversion. Saul becoming Paul, he gets saved. Acts chapter 9, right? So you read about it. You know what happened. And Luke, who's writing the book of Acts, and it just so happens that when he finished the book of Acts and the Gospel of Luke, by the way, they both were long enough to fill up a sort of standard-sized Jewish scroll. Like he cut the Gospel of Luke off where he cut it off because he was out of scroll. And he cut the book of Acts off where he cut it off because he was out of scroll. He filled it up. Long books, some of the longest writings in the New Testament. So he's writing this book, Acts, and he knows he has just a little bit of space And he's thinking, what do I put in here? There's all sorts of stuff going on in the early church. Well, I'm going to tell about how Paul got saved. 
Acts 9. And then in chapter 22, I'm going to tell about when Paul told about him getting saved. And then in Acts 26, I'm going to put it in there for the third time. The same story is in one book of the Bible basically three times. One time, Luke telling you what happened. The next two times, Luke telling you about Paul telling you how it happened. And this is an example of somebody standing up before once a crowd of people, Acts 22, once talking to just one individual, Agrippa, Acts 26, and he's saying, this is what God did in my life. This is who I used to be. This is how I met Jesus. And this is how my life has changed afterwards. That's the basic outline for sharing your testimony. Now, some of you hear that. I know this because some of you have told me this in the past. People have told me this. And they say, well, Paul had a testimony. And you say it like that, a testimony. And what you mean is he was a really bad dude and then he became a really good dude. That's a testimony. Sorry about that. That's a testimony. And I've even had some parents tell me, talk to me about their kids and their kids grew up in church and they're not following Jesus now. And you know what they've told me? He's building a testimony right now. What? He, he, someday he's going to come back around and he is just building a testimony. Someday he's going to be able to tell he was so bad and then God changed him and he's not. And so some of you are thinking, you know, I've never murdered anybody. I've never tried to go down to Midland and arrest people at First Baptist Church. Bring them down to the Ector County Jail. Not once have I ever tried to do that. I have never uh, robbed a bank. Lots of banks get robbed here, but I have never been one of the people to do that. And I just don't know. I, I grew up in church. I'm just a church person. I can't remember not believing in Jesus. I don't really have a testimony. I don't know what I'm going to share with people. So let me just talk to you. What if you became a Christian at an early age? You think you don't have a testimony. Here's some things to talk about. Talk about your home life and the people who influenced you. Maybe it was your parents. Maybe it was your grandparents. Maybe it was a pastor or a Sunday school teacher or a a mission trip you went on. But talk about the people who influenced you. Talk about how your understanding of following Christ has changed. And if you became a follower of Jesus as a child and now you're not a child, I certainly hope that your understanding has changed. Not changed as in you believe something totally different, but changed as if you understand more. You realize now things about sin in your life that you didn't realize when you were six, seven, eight years old. You see the horrendous ugliness of sin now in a way that you didn't understand it back then. It doesn't mean you didn't get sin as a five-year-old or a six-year-old. It just means you were a child and you got it on that level. And now you get it in a different level. And so that's something that you can talk about. You can talk about how your love for Christ has grown over time. Some people might say, you know, when I was a little kid, I believed there was a God and I understood that I was a sinner because I knew I did bad things and I understood that God had every right to be angry with me and to punish me. And I wanted to find life. I wanted to find hope. I wanted to find salvation in eternity. Great. Come to Jesus for those things. But then maybe as you become an adult, your testimony is less about, I just wanted to get out of hell and more about Jesus is the most important thing in my life. And that hasn't always been the case, but it's grown over time. From the, from the time that I turned from sin and turned to Jesus, 
that's grown and the Spirit of God has done a work in my life where once I just saw him as sort of an escape card, now I see him as the greatest treasure that can ever be had by a person. So you talk about how that understanding has grown. Talk about how Christ has made a difference in your life. I think about people I know who their daughter, when she was in about fifth grade, was diagnosed with cancer and they were not given a good diagnosis. And I've heard them share their testimony and they do a pretty good job of it. And one of the things they talk about is not that Jesus is like a genie, you rub the lamp and he comes out and you get some wishes and that got her out of cancer. They don't go that route. But they do talk about in the lowest of lows, in the depths of our despair, when we were angry with God and mad with God, we had to repent of that and we had to trust him regardless of the outcome. And our faith in God made a difference in how we walked through that suffering. That's something that you could possibly talk about. You could talk about, you say, well, no one in my family's ever had cancer. I don't have anything bad like that to talk about. We'll talk about the fact that knowing Jesus Christ gives you purpose in life. It gives you meaning. It gives you a reason to wake up every day and to go out and to face the world and to be an ambassador for Christ. That's something that not everyone in the world can say. There's millions of people who get up and they go through the motions every day. They don't know why they're doing it or they're doing it so they can work to retirement or they're doing it just because it's habit or they're afraid to do something else. And you can say, look, I go through the motions in my daily life, not for any of those reasons, but because I want to honor Jesus Christ in everything that I do. He's made a difference in your life. You can tell somebody about that. So nobody gets to say, well, I don't have a testimony. And nobody gets to say, well, that person has a great testimony. Look, every last one of us showed up in this place, stone cold dead from the womb, to steal a line from Bob Dylan. Already ruined when you walked out of your mother's womb, spiritually dead. And if you're alive today, you do have a testimony. God has done something in your life, and it's worth telling somebody about that. So... A few thoughts if you became a Christian at an early age. Really practical do's and don'ts. Just giving you some things to think about here. Do's. Begin with an attention-getting sentence and end with a decision sentence. I'd say that's especially true if you're talking to a group of people. Maybe not so important if you're sitting down across the lunch table from somebody, but if you're standing up in a public speaking uh, setting where you're talking to a group, that's important. Um, One of our kids um, who went to Kenya with us last year, we we told everyone going to Kenya, you have to share your testimony, you have to be ready to do that. And one of these kids uh, came and he said, oh, I'll I'll just tell you who it is because you're going to know who it is, is Nikita Weaver. He said, I don't have a testimony, I don't have anything to say. I don't even know what I would say first. And I said, I know exactly what I'd say first if I was you. You're part of an American mission team and you're going to Kenya. The first thing that would come out of my mouth is, I was born in Russia. What? I thought you were from a... You got their attention right off the bat. You don't have to spend a whole lot of time in that, but immediately you have their attention. So you get the idea there. Um, Adjust your story based on your audience. This does not mean embellish things, exaggerate things, add things, make things up. What this means is, um, if you're talking like Paul to a group of Jewish people and you know how to speak Hebrew, probably ought to speak Hebrew. If you're talking to a guy down at the 
the shop and he speaks Spanish and you speak Spanish, by all means, speak Spanish. If you're talking to a group of children, right, you probably don't need to go into the, the gory details of your wild party days during college with a group of children. They don't need to hear that. Now, if you're talking to a group of college students, they don't need to hear all the wild, gory details, but maybe they need to understand that you know where they're at and the temptations they're facing. So maybe you talk about some of those things. So you use a little bit of wisdom and you adjust your story based on your audience. Um, Present Christ, not yourself. When you start thinking about sharing your testimony... You just got to make sure that you don't use first-person pronouns all the way through it, right? It can't be the story of I, 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 me, 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 I, 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 me, 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 because you get to the end of it, and you're the one up on the pedestal, and Jesus is just sort of a tag-along that got you up there. You got to talk about Jesus, not just yourself. You got to use scripture. I know that seems really obvious to some of you, but I've heard a lot of people share their testimony where they never share one lick of scripture. And we talked about last week, you don't have anything to say that's going to ultimately change somebody's heart. The Word of God has the power to do that. So as you think about sharing your testimony, you probably ought to memorize a few verses or mark a few verses in your Bible or have some go to passages that you can say, hey, Let me tell you what the Bible says here. And here's a great thing to do when you're sharing your testimony with somebody who's not a believer is to take one of these, not one of these that has a bunch of apps and lights going off and text alerts and ESPN score alerts and pictures of your kid and all that stuff, not one of these, but to take one of these and say, let me just tell you what the Bible says. Because there's a world of difference when you're talking to an unbeliever and you just quote them a verse then when you pull this book out and say, let me read it to you right here. The physical act of doing that, if you're able to do that, tells that person there's some authority behind what he's telling me that's not just that person talking to me. So use scripture. Lastly, and I think this is obvious at this point, remember this is not the story about what you have done for God. It's a story about what God has done for you. God is the hero of your story. And when you tell it, that has to be obvious. It's not a story about all the good things you've done for God. It's a story about all the good things that God has done for you. Okay? Do nots. Here we go. Avoid Christian cliches. I'll give you an example. We just sang it on Wednesday night. Him 533, he lives. I know he lives within my heart. We sing that, and you have a pretty good idea of what that means. You tell that to somebody who didn't grow up in church, they think you're weird. What in the world are you talking about? Don't say that to them. Don't use Christian cliches that are sort of insider language that nobody else is going to understand. I wrote a few more down. Don't, as you're telling your testimony to somebody, don't say, well... When I was 15 years old, I went to youth camp and I decided it was time for me to walk the aisle. So I did it. Corey knows what that means because he's laughing. Everyone else is just going to say, like you walked down the hallway? Were were you in the cabin when you did that? What are you talking about? You walked down the aisle. They don't know what that means. You got married? You You got married at youth camp? They don't know. 
Um, maybe you're sharing your story with somebody and you say, look, I realized I'd done a lot of bad things and it was just time for me to get right with God. Get right with God. What does that mean? Well, if you look at the structure of the sentence, you're the one doing the getting. So what you're telling them is, I did something to make it right between me and God. Is that the gospel? I did something to patch up the relationship between... That's not the gospel. You would never present it to somebody that way. So don't say, well, I decided to get right with God. Get right with the Lord. I need to get right with... You say, I realized I was a sinner and I was not right with God. We were not on good terms. And I came to trust the fact that God did everything that he needed to do to bring me back into a relationship with him. It wasn't anything I did. It was something God did. Those are totally different things. Um, I invited Jesus into my heart. We talked about that one. You get the idea. Avoid cliches. Don't be too wordy. A couple of minutes. I hate to break it to you. You're just not that interesting. And anything longer than that, people are just confused and bored and wondering what time it is and wondering if the waitress is going to refill the chip basket if you're eating lunch and their just mind is gone. You've got a couple of minutes to talk to somebody. When you're, when you're doing public speaking, you've got a couple of minutes to hit an idea and then you've got to move on to something else. People just have a short attention spans. Commercials are 30 seconds. Sometimes they're 15 seconds. You've got to be quick. You can't just drag it on and drag it on. Um, Avoid the, do not avoid the main truth that Jesus saves. You got to stay focused on that, right? I told you about my friend who, who's sharing her testimony and she's talking about this family member who was kidnapped, right? Great story, fascinating story. Amazing how it all came together and worked out in the end. I mean, it's really great. That's not the main point. If you're wanting to share the gospel with somebody and what God has done in your life and how the gospel has changed you, you can't spend 39 minutes talking about a story and then tack on Jesus to the end. Stick to the main point. For some of you, that means you can't chase rabbits. Like, because you do that when you tell stories. Some of you, you know you do that. You start to tell a story and you get like two sentences in and something, you say, oh, well, let me tell you about this because you won't believe this. And you start talking about this story and you try to come back here, but as you're coming back, you get sidetracked again and you're talking about something else and you're just all over the place. You can't do that. You got to be focused and you got to be disciplined here. Do not overemphasize your sin. I don't know why we do that, but sometimes people try to do that when they share their testimony. They, they just try to make sure that somebody knows I was a really bad person. I mean, I was really bad. You have no idea how bad I was. I was the worst of the worst. I was the baddest of the bad. I was just, I was worse than the devil. I was so bad. And we just try to talk about that like it's going to make our story so bad. And it just, it's, don't do that. Don't overemphasize your sin. Don't, please, when you talk about things in your past, don't make it sound like it was the good old days. Like, oh man, back in college. Whoo! I had a lot of fun. I mean, we did this and this and this. But then I met Jesus. And the fun came to an end. And, you know, I straightened my life up and I done got right with God after that. Don't do that. 
But sometimes people do that. They share their testimony and they talk about the old days like those were the great days where I was free and I, was, I could do whatever I wanted. I didn't have any rules. It was so much fun. Don't talk about it that way because the reality is it wasn't that way. You weren't free back then. You were a slave back then. Talk about it that way. Uh, don't mention denominations or people in a derogatory way. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. It's just not going to help you share the gospel with anybody. You don't need to, if you grew up going to a certain kind of church and that didn't help you meet Jesus in sharing your testimony, you don't need to run them into the mud for all their failures. That's just not the point. That can be a discussion for another time in another place. Uh, this is a big one, the next one. Do not imply that the Christian life is problem, sin, and worry-free. And I think this is what a lot of young people naturally do when they share their testimony and they haven't been trained. They stand up and they say something like, you know, back, back a few years ago, my life was really bad and I didn't feel good about myself and I had this problem and I had that problem. But then I started going to church and I got in with these Christian people and I met Jesus and now my life, I mean, things are so much better now. What you just did, if you share a testimony like that, is say, Jesus will fix all of your problems. When you do that, you are Joel Osteen. Just, you come to Jesus and it's all going to be better and you're not going to have any problems or worries and sin's going to go away and it's all going to be easy. And when you share your testimony, you can't communicate that to people. Don't speak in a judgmental way. And don't preach. I guess what I mean there <clears throat> is when somebody gives you permission to share your story, talk about your life and what God's done in that, they didn't give you permission to preach at them, right? You can talk to them about the gospel. You can communicate the gospel in a conversation you're having with them. But sharing your testimony is not the time to get preachy to steal a phrase from Julie Cooper. Don't get too preachy. So there you go. Julie's uh, given us some good advice tonight. Don't get too preachy. How do you do it? Just a couple of simple thoughts and we'll wrap it up. Pray that God would give you wisdom. Book of Proverbs and the book of James both talk about um, the confidence we can have that God will give us wisdom when we need it. And as you think about how can I best share my story with people, you need wisdom in that. I need wisdom in that. Think about the people with whom you will be speaking. We've talked about that. Um, what is their age? What is their background? How much do they know about church? Um, what's their family life like now? Or what was it like in the past? Think about all those things when you talk with somebody. I suggest you write it out and you do that word for word. I do that every Sunday morning for every sermon that I preach. I don't stand up there and read it to you on Sunday mornings. But the practice... In the discipline of sitting down and writing out your thoughts, actual word for word is very helpful than when you try to take those ideas and share them with somebody else. You don't have to follow the script. You don't, please don't memorize it and try to feel like you've got to hit all the right lines. But I'm just telling you, the discipline of writing it out is very helpful for you thinking out what you want to say and how you want to say it. So that's something to think about. Time it. See how long it takes you to share it. Um, I've seen people stand up to share a testimony and you say, look, you got four minutes. And they go for about 25 seconds and look at you and say, that's all I got. Well, if you would have practiced that a little bit, you would know that you only got 25 seconds. You need three and a half more minutes. And I've seen other people, you say, you got four minutes. 
and 40 minutes later, they're still going on and they don't realize it and you're just giving them the hook off the side of the stage. That's too much. That's too long. So time it. Um, find ways to work in Scripture and gospel truths. This takes work. This just doesn't happen naturally for most of us. When I say work in Scripture, I'm thinking about memorizing a few verses that when you share your testimony, you know you're going to bring those verses up. And you've got them. You know where they're at in your Bible. You can show it to somebody. You're ready to go. When I think about gospel truths, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, I want to share my story. I want to make sure and tell somebody how I came to understand that God is holy because that's part of the gospel. I want to make sure that I talk about my understanding of sin because that's part of sharing the gospel. And I want to explain to people how I view Jesus and how, how I trust in him as my Savior and what he's done for me. That's part of it. I want to talk about repentance and faith. Instead of just I invited him into my life, I repented and I believed. They're Bible words. You can explain those to people. And then lastly, condense it to an outliner notes, especially if you're... Um, speaking in front of people, probably not so much if you're sitting over Mexican food with somebody at lunch and you're just talking, you don't need to whip your notes out. I guess you could, there's nothing wrong with that. But especially if you're going to share it with a group, uh, have some kind of notes or something. So this is pretty basic stuff. This is not rocket science. But my point is this, it's really easy for you to poorly share your testimony. I mean, anybody can get up and just ramble on about something for a few minutes for 30 seconds or for 40 minutes. Anybody can do that. It really is, uh, it really does require work and effort for you to sit down and think, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell my story, the important parts of my story of how I met Jesus and the difference he's made in my life, and I'm going to squeeze it into two or three or four minutes, and I want to talk about the gospel, and I want to talk about scripture. That's a lot to squeeze into a couple of minutes. That means you're going to have to cut a lot of stuff out that's not that important, and you're going to have to be really intentional about it, and so it requires work. So I want to pray for you and for myself that God would give us wisdom in this, and as Tony prayed earlier, that he'd give us opportunities, and he'd give us boldness to take those opportunities. So let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for what you have done in our life. And we just stop to acknowledge that we have not done anything great for you, but you have done everything great for us. You've poured your grace and your mercy into our life, and we are abundantly grateful. And we recognize that every good thing we have is a gift of your grace, bought with the blood of Christ. We are undeserving and unworthy. And we pray that as you give us opportunity to talk to people, that we would be ready to make a defense for the hope that we have. And that just like Paul, we would be ready on, on a moment's notice to stand up and to tell somebody what it is that you have done for us and how we've experienced that. Give us wisdom to know what to say and what not to say. Give us boldness to take the opportunities that we know you will set in front of us, that we, we have every, every day, every week. Father, be honored in our witness as we speak for you and as we, we try to be your ambassadors to our community and to the ends of the earth. We love you and we pray all of these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.